0: Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety,
1: the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate and I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Sober effect. Sober effect.
0: Right, Steph, we're going to pick up again. And we are currently at month six in our year of sobriety. So what happened to you in month six? Can you remember?
1: Only thing I could say about month six is that I was really like feeling like stable on my feet. Like I yeah. I felt really confident in my decision to not drink anymore. And I also felt really confident in like the new coping skills because by month six, my anxiety was long gone. Like my anxiety attacks were gone by day 60. And it was just, it was a gradual exit. And it wasn't like one day I was like, oh, it was literally like one day I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't had an anxiety attack in a while. I mean, that's kind of how it evolved. So by, yeah, by month six, I'm just like, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really confident. I know what to do now when things come up you know, i developed that toolkit that we yeah. talk about. And it was summer, which it was kind of a big yeah, deal. Too. And I, and I'm kind of glad I started in December, because summer's when I would drink a lot like that. I love day drinking. And so being able to be outside. So that was, yeah. it was a different summer than summers past, but it was nice. You know, it was, it was much more kind of like the vacation thing. It was way more relaxing instead of waking up the next day, like what happened yesterday? I don't even remember going to bed. Was the sun still up when I went to bed? Like just crazy thoughts that I would normally have in the summer. I
0: started to develop habits by month six. So I was going to bed earlier. Getting ready for bed was became really enjoyable. And mm-hmm. I was realizing I've got these habits now. I I want to be in bed by sort of 9.30 or 10, which made me feel a bit old, but I loved it. And I don't care at right. all anymore right. about what what anyone thinks. And I was waking up really refreshed, you know, having had 10 hours sleep, getting up. And that was, I was noticing that my life, the patterns in my life were changing, Mm -hmm. My body was getting used to it. It was saying, this is Kate now. Mm -hmm. Kate goes to bed early. She brushes her teeth. She washes her face. She puts nice face cream on. She ties her hair up and she goes to bed in silk pajamas and clean sheets. And it was kind of going, I can relax a bit. There's no trauma coming. There's no drama coming. There's no accidents or bruises or big arguments. And that guilt and shame were really, really kind of in the distance by then. And I started talking quite openly. And actually, month seven was the first time I watched some of that video from the night before. I I watched probably 10 seconds of it the next day, and I couldn't watch it. It took me until now, till seven months, to watch it. And even then, I didn't watch all of it, because it's about five, six minutes long. And I watched a bit, and I, I had to turn it off because I thought, okay, I've watched enough. And I don't know why, it just made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but I did watch some and I shared some of it. And by by this time, I was really talking a lot on social media about things that had happened to me that I never thought I would share. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would talk about openly. And I felt really comfortable about it. Mm-hmm. Because I now have this confidence. Mm-hmm. And this. I was secure in who I was. No one's going to pull me down. No one can say, do you remember? Or you know, any of that stuff. So I have this newfound strength and and confidence that I can start talking about things because I don't feel like anyone can attack me or make me feel guilty anymore. And I realized it was helping others. So I was really growing and and starting to become a sober person who's got real experiences to talk about, who's reliable, who will always turn up. And, you know, it's things like that. So I really started to feel
1: I was was becoming
0: me, really, around that time.
1: Yeah, exactly the same. In month seven leading into eight, my confidence in myself, I trusted myself for the first time because I knew I was in my right mind. I knew I wasn't either drunk or hungover. And so there comes this new trust in what you're saying. And you know that you'll never go back and be like, oh, I didn't mean that. I too started to be a lot more vocal. I started making reels because I found that was I kind of was reverting back to who I was before I was a drinker at 14. Like that inner child, that little girl and what she loved, she started rearing her head and was like, "Remember when you used to like write plays for the whole neighborhood and we would get together and so?" I used to do that stuff. Did you? Yeah. We should should write like a script and like do something fun.
0: And we used to charge them 5p and they'd come in and sit down and we'd put on the performance. Yeah. I mean, it's so sweet, isn't it? Yeah.
1: So it's just like things like that coming back that I didn't think about for years. Because when you're a drinker, you're being an adult, right? Drinking's like, I'm an adult now. I don't do that little kid. Yeah. But now I started realizing that I could still tap into that joy that I felt as a kid, as an adult. Like, there's adult ways of doing things that still bring you that same joy that you feel as a child. And so it was seven into eight where I started my blog and started podcasting because it all kind of tied into that inner child and, like, fed that joy that I was... And
0: curiosity, I guess, because we lose that, don't we? When we're not interested in anything other than drinking in the evening, mm-hmm. whether that's with friends at home, you know, whatever, you, you're you not curious about learning more and carrying on no. learning. And actually, humans need that in their life. They yeah. need to keep learning. Yeah. Um, it's just natural. So that you kind of got that back.
1: Yeah. And challenging yourself, right? Challenging yourself with trying something new and putting yourself out there and not being scared. I always thought confidence came from alcohol. But really, I've Gained more confidence in my sobriety because once again I learned to trust myself. I trusted my actions, my words, and all of that. So yeah, month seventh eight leading into eight. That's that's where I was taking my confidence out for a spin. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And then you asked me on your podcast,
0: which was yeah which result because we're here because of it, aren't we? Yeah. Um. So month eight, I started to really hate alcohol. I mean, I, I didn't exactly love it before. But I started to get angry about how it had been sold to me. I've always blamed myself for my drinking, and my level of drinking and the way that I felt about myself. But I think I started to realise that I'd sort of been tricked. Yeah. And I thought, I looked at my daughter and my son, and I thought, It's really hard to navigate a life without alcohol. It is everywhere. All of these awful reels Mm -hmm. where there are people jumping Mm -hmm. into wine glasses or saying, you know, oh, pick me up. This is what I need. As long as I've got this, make your own dinner. Like, Why is that funny? Mm -hmm. Joking about the fact that you've had a glass of wine at four o'clock and now the kids can make their own dinner. I don't find anything funny about that. I didn't find things like that funny when I was drinking, if I'm honest, because it was too close to home and I thought why are you saying that why are you, why are you making
1: unfortunately I was one of those people that made reels like that like once yeah. again I that's I use humor and but why I, were
0: you trying to if you said this is funny and fun then it's not
1: bad and I can carry on doing it is that why right. you did it yeah and then it also spoke to basically like mommy wine culture it spoke to all those other moms like I've always drank I started drinking at 14 to fit in with the people that used to make fun of me. I converted to do what they were doing so I could be a part of it. So same thing that just morphed into mommy wine culture. That's what all these like seem to have their shit together. Moms were doing right. They were drinking and they were. So if I could post a reel that was funny about drinking, I could maybe they would find me funny and endearing and want to hang out with me. It was shit like that that I was Mm -hmm. caught up in. It's awful. I I got mad too, but it was way earlier than month eight that I got mad at well, alcohol. I got mad about
0: alcohol, but I got really angry when mm-hmm. I saw adverts. When I when I now when I see it in the supermarket, when I see bottles of wine under the back to school logo in in my local Sainsbury's, it's like this is really pissing me off now. This is yeah. not funny. They're Stop targeting
1: it. moms. You know, they're
0: targeting exactly, and they're making these fizzy drinks it's a bit like vaping making them taste like bubble gum stop doing that Mm -hmm. stop it this is bad and and I think I kind of switched to being I'm not drinking To why this is wrong actually this is a really big problem and that was where my mind was at a month eight Mm um you know my creativity was through the roof and I was really worried about my creativity when I stopped drinking because I'm Mm -hmm. a a writer and I'm I'm someone who's always come up, I've done, you know, projects where I've helped create comics and, and online learning and things like that. And it's, I was really worried, but it was the opposite. And either I had it or I didn't at the end of the day. I, if I need a drug to be something, it's not actually who I am. So all that was just another excuse. But it, it was the opposite. I'm more creative. And actually, I'm really oh, yeah. confident what I'm putting out there because I can back it up and I can remember it. Um, But yeah, so month eight was was more me looking at alcohol on a much bigger level and looking at the problem that that alcohol was in society. I started to look at, unlike you on day one, I started to look at statistics and looking at the UN figure of 3 million people a year dying due to alcohol related
1: reasons. It made me feel sick, physically sick. Yeah, I was looking into that stuff too. And I think actually now that you say that, because I remember doing a whole podcast episode around month eight about alcohol as a drug because I never saw it as a drug. And,
0: no. Like, no, I, didn't and I was really because proud. That, with, with your pasta in a restaurant. Yeah, I didn't see it as a drug either.
1: I mean, I was really proud as a teen growing up through my 20s and everything that I didn't do drugs. So that was really eye-opening for me to realize that alcohol is a drug. And but that's You are the, a drug addict. <laughs> right. That is the narrative though. Yeah. That's how they keep their sales up. Yeah. Because it's never it's drugs and alcohol. That's how yeah. it's always in every sentence, everything yeah. that when that's it's that's ever
0: to trade everywhere.
1: Drugs and alcohol. It is drugs. like it's all under one umbrella. And actually when I was looking up statistics, alcohol kills more people than all drugs combined. But yet there's always this war on drugs. But we glamorize you know, pouring another glass of wine with our girlfriend. Like, it's the same damn thing. Society and and marketing, it's just all, yep, it's all messed up. And I feel like
0: I've been made fun of. I feel like there's someone up there going, yeah, these people will buy into it. You know, let's make this the norm. Let's start introducing wine in, in school productions. People will buy it. You know, let's sell wine at these ball pits. That you send your kids to and throw them in, and and then the parents can sit there drinking wine, and it's just everywhere. It's everywhere, and it it's so hard to say no. That mm-hmm. it, it really made me cross with the people. You know, I saw these wonderful people on Instagram who had the courage and the strength to stop, mm-hmm. but I know for every one of them, there's probably 500 people who can't. Right. And, and it it makes me so angry, um, because it's not made easier by right. by
1: these temptations everywhere. It's being sold as something it isn't. And, it's, right. and yeah, let's be I mean, honest. Let's be honest. Like, how hard is it to sell something that's addictive, right? Like, they've got the easiest job in the world because yeah, they already know yeah. that you're going to – if you have one, you're most likely going to have another because that one – has your brain already wanting another one. So their job is actually pretty darn easy once they're in. I mean, once yeah. they're in, they're in. It's They're a drug dealer. They are a paid drug yes, right. dealer. I've never thought drug of like that. Yeah. Who
0: is your local drug dealer? And then just a picture of your local supermarket. Yeah. I mean, I remember being in Italy and being handed out. We used to go to these clubs. I used to go to Italy a lot in the summer and we used to go to these clubs and these people would come round giving out free packets of cigarettes. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, I was sort of 17 and yeah. like, yeah, I'll smoke. gimme, give gimme. And it's like, these are, it's so cool. They just hand them out. But of course they were trying to get you addicted to them so that you would then be a lifelong customer. Right. And it's disgusting when you think back. They were targeting the young people in clubs. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit, it feels like that. And I had not remembered that until just now, but it is the way that this is all orchestrated. They know exactly what they're doing. They target specific people and they don't tell you. Listen, I am not saying that I think nobody should drink wine ever. I'm saying, or alcohol, I'm saying I don't see there's any benefits to it, but I'm saying it is missold. Yeah. That's that's how I felt. Yeah, Yeah, that was quite a heated month, I think. And I realized as well that I was kind of, interested in some capacity to do something around sobriety and alcohol moving forward Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what and I still don't but it's I I definitely want to keep giving back and keep helping in some way and that hit me about then because I was confident in my sobriety and I knew it was
1: here to stay yeah and you wanted it for everyone I mean that's literally how I feel like I want it for everyone. I want to spread the awareness because I, once again, I was so unaware. I really was. And I sometimes I hate saying that out loud because it makes me sound kind of silly, right? Like, how did you not know that alcohol was a drug or how did you not know that you were addicted? But it's really hard when everyone around you is telling you it's okay. Oh, have a drink. You had a bad day. Oh, have a drink. And when you, get told that over and over and over and it just it's so normal it just it's so hard to get out of it and so i think exactly
0: if someone comes around and says the color green is really dangerous if you heard that on tv and in the supermarket and everyone you met said green stay away green is awful you can't help it's in your head Mm -hmm. that that when you look at something green you'll go danger it's just human nature you know And that's what I feel like was happening. There is an element of brainwashing out there and it's all for profit. Despite the fact that it costs the NHS and other, you know, the medical industries, or the medical industries make money on the back of it, but, you Mm -hmm. know, it costs the NHS so much to look after people because of alcohol related accidents or injuries or diseases. Mm -hmm. So these people are making money selling it and then it's everyone else's problem if it goes wrong. It's just not. Good
1: enough, is it? No. Month nine. Do you want to go first on this? You know, month nine, I started noticing a little bit of, like, no need for my day count. So that kind of goes along with the confidence. I think day counting in the beginning, because you don't really have anything else, is the thing. Like, I remember just constantly checking my day count because that's what was keeping me in check. But then when you start working through everything, and you get more confident, I just remember like, there would be times I would go weeks and I'm like, Oh, shit, what day am I on? You know, because I'd see someone else on Instagram, all excited about their day. And I'm like, Yeah, that's awesome. Like, huh, I haven't checked my day count in a while. But it was kind of nice to know that I'm like, but that's a good thing. Like, that means like, yeah. I'm not obsessing over my drinking anymore. I'm actually like, getting to a point and getting to a really good rhythm. And I also felt really confident in telling people that I don't drink when offered a drink. Like yeah. I learned this new way of, cause I used to feel like I had to explain it. And so I finally decided when someone offers me a drink, I'm just going to say I don't drink instead of saying, Oh, I don't drink anymore. Or Oh, I quit drinking, you know, nine months ago, because I learned when you do that, that kind of opens the door for questions. And if you don't feel like explaining yourself, it obviously it depends on the person, but people I don't know very well, I don't feel like I owe them an explanation. And so saying I don't drink, never opened that door like they literally were just like okay and they moved on to the next person they either have to say
0: did you have a drink problem which happened to me with a stranger Mm. um but apart from that it's just and it feels so good it's like that's the end of it i don't drink that's all i want to say that's enough yeah um i I feel exactly the same and that i've written that in my notes actually about feeling so confident um i think another thing for me was the realisation of how much I'd been missing in my past life as a drinker. I realised the feelings, the emotions, the sights, the smells, the mm. taste, mm-hmm. the enjoyment of the everyday thing that was more like me getting through it rather than actually enjoying it. Yes. And it kind of made me, every day was full of new experiences that I would remember, and it just hit home how I was living before and accepting living that way and how I was missing out on so much.
1: Yeah, I can totally agree with that because I remember thinking I always like had certain hours that I tried to fit everything in because I then had that rest of that time reserved for drinking. I remember spending more time with my daughter during times that I normally wouldn't have. Yeah. So like late afternoon, evening. And I just remember thinking, this is kind of cool that I can, you know, if she comes to me at 7 p.m. and says, let's do a Target run, I can do that. I can go. I can go. I can really go. And then you realize that you were like, yeah, and then you realize, God, I was like a prisoner to this substance. Yeah, exactly. and, And my daughter was suffering because normally I'd be like, ooh, babe, I've been drinking. Like, can we just maybe go tomorrow? And then tomorrow wouldn't happen because I'd feel like crap. I remember posting a reel from
0: the parking lot at a cinema and saying I'm here on a Friday night or something yeah. and I've picked up my kids and their friends and who, no one else wants to drive on a Friday, but I can do it. And it's such a small thing, but it's such a big thing. Yeah. Such a big thing. And I sat there in this crappy car park with the biggest grin on my face. just no saying, I, I This is huge. This is huge. Yeah, it's a good, it's a you start to realize you cannot go back and mm-hmm. not because you can't go back because you don't want to. No. And I think when you hit that point, it is such a relief because you don't feel like you have to count days because I personally, I loved day count. I know a lot of people say don't focus on it. I loved it. It mm-hmm. was something to focus Me on too. in the early days, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what day I'm on now. Mm-hmm. So I know my month is 21st. I but do I know I can, my month. Yeah. Work it out. Yeah. Um, So month 10, my friends started to know me as a a sober person. I think that was a big thing. People referred to me as someone who didn't drink. I didn't have to explain it to the people I saw regularly. They had now seen me on a couple of occasions at least, family, friends, everyone I have who's close to me. By, By month 10, I'd seen all of those people. So they all knew to expect me to be sober. And that was a real relief because I just thought, people are buying into this new me as well. Now, it's not just me telling myself and me telling them, they now know, and they're starting to tell other people, people are starting to recommend my Instagram account to friends that were struggling. That made me feel great. And my priorities changed. Um, You know, I just I started realizing that I could have boundaries in place and that I could prioritize myself, which I had never done in my life. I had always prioritized my kids and my husband, but I'd never put myself up there. Mm. Despite saying I am equal, we are all equal in this family. No one's more important. I actually did put myself because I felt shame a lot. My kids were starting to say, "I can't really remember you drinking, mum," and and you think that's amazing. I never thought at this age, you know, there were 12 and 13. I never thought I'd ever get to this point. I thought they'd always remember it. But the fact they knew me as a sober person now made me so happy. Um, So my month 10 was really about
1: other people accepting me, I think. I feel like I could say the same um, around that month, too, because I think a lot of people were kind of waiting for me to come back. Yeah. You know, they were like, okay, she's done it for a while now. She could probably – the people that don't understand it, right – moderate probably moderate. moderate. Like, awful word. and I just remember there were, there were people like family members and stuff because our family's five hours away, so we don't see them a lot. But they would come in town and just be like, "You're yeah. still not
0: drinking? Yeah. Are no. you still drinking? That would have yeah. been a good
1: response, <laughs> right. It? Are yeah. you still? I haven't rubbed off on you yet. No. But... In fact, that's
0: one of my favorite responses is, "Oh, you don't drink. You know why? Oh, you do drink. Why? Yeah. You're the one who should be answering that question, not me. Exactly." But yeah, we were. I think we became accepted, didn't we? People, mm-hmm. even if we didn't see them, they knew they'd heard about it, and yeah. the fact we were still doing it ten months later, it's kind of like, okay, they're serious,
1: right? They mean And I no. and I've told people too, like people who you know maybe were a little sober curious or were asking me about it. And these are people close to me, like family members and and close friends you know, I would say to them, like, if I've gone 10 months without drinking and not going back, it obviously isn't that bad. Because you guys know me and know how much yeah. I liked to drink and party and get down. And if sobriety wasn't better than that, I would have went back. And so I just like, that's my way of just saying to I'm like, it seriously is better. Like it really, yeah. really is. Yeah. I know it's scary to think about. But it's almost like I I love kind of being the one that's forging the way. Like I love being the one that's trying it out and maybe setting a really good example for yeah. people and being a resource. You're the
0: proof. You're the walking yeah. proof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a fine line, isn't it? Because you can walk around and you can say, I'm making this decision for me, make up your own minds But as soon as you start to say to other people, Oh, it's great not drinking and I don't drink because it's bad for me then they take it personally because they say well you're telling me something's bad for you and I do it so you're basically telling me it's bad for Mm -hmm. me and you're Mm -hmm. telling me you disagree and it opens up a whole can of worms and it's just awkward isn't it? It, it? You don't know how to deal with it but you can say I'm doing this for me make up your own mind Yeah, and that's something that we've got and that's something that by around that time you walk around and think people are noticing you can I have not met a single person who's given up drink who by month 10 don't look completely different for the oh best I of you? No.
1: No. I, yeah. I really do look different. Like, I look back and it's like my eyes are just... My eyes are just bigger and brighter. Yeah. My face brighter. is more puffy. And yeah. it's just... It did change the way I look. But I think this is really who, how I'm supposed to look, right? Yeah, like of this course is...
0: It is. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because if you... <laughs> Everyone who drinks regularly looks worse than they should. That just kind of shows you what alcohol does to you. Mm-hmm. Putting something into your body shouldn't make you look worse. It shouldn't have that effect. If mm-hmm. it does, that's a clear warning that it's not good for you, isn't it? Yeah. We just ignore it. We take it. We say, I will look 10 years older, puffy, red face, bags under my eyes, bloodshot eyes. I'll do that all for mm-hmm. that of wine.
1: Coming up on the one year, I started having these like thoughts of wow, cuz you start forgetting, right? Cuz okay, don't need the day count anymore. I'm feeling really good. And alcohol has something in it where like when you're feeling really good, you think you can go back to it and control it. I mean, if you think about how many times well, at least for me, um, you know, I would go on a bender and then I would take a few days off and those few days, I would feel really good and feel like, okay, I can drink again. And that kind of what was happening around month 11. For me, I started having these thoughts of, was it really bad? Was I being a little dramatic? Like, could I maybe just be someone that could have a glass of wine for a celebration every once in a while? Luckily, though, I immediately shut those thoughts down. But I'm human and I, I and I have to be completely honest that they did creep in. Like there was this weird with confidence came overconfident in yeah. controlling alcohol. See, I never had that. I
0: have never mm. thought about moderation. I've known it's impossible and I've known I'm either a drinker or, or I'm not. There's no in between. I don't want to have a glass of wine every Friday night. I want to drink a lot right. every night. So it's just not an option for me. I am one or the other. And in a way, I think that's made it easier for me. Um, You know, and I get messages from people saying they're going to try and moderate again. And and it's hard for me because for me, it's like I can't see that happening. But people are different and I can't give that advice. And I find it difficult to answer that. And it's like, well, good luck. I hope it works. Because for me, it's just an absolute 100% no. No. Because A, I don't think I can do it. And B, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink to have a glass of wine every other night. I, right. I don't see the point. I'd rather not have any. It's easier. So I I never experienced that kind of fake, oh, maybe you could do it. But I know a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people.
1: Yeah, they talk about how the relapse will usually happen in your mind first. Yeah. And I just, I remember hearing all of that before it happened to me. And so I think that helped too you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and kind of knowing what to expect, because it did prepare me for when those thoughts crossed my own mind. And I also would like give myself a little flashback, like, remember, you've tried to moderate in the past, and it slowly evolves back into heavy drinking. And so it's just like, you really do learn how to be more in tune with your thoughts and dissect them better, because you are thinking more clearly. It's not to say that these Mm -hmm old thoughts don't creep in but the way we combat them is way better like we can we can really hone in and say no 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 we know better and that's that's how I handled it but yeah it it happened well I I actually
0: also did try and I did 40 days and then I slipped up and I knew that morning I was going to drink um so I tried it and it Mm -hmm. it was horrible um And within, you know, days, I was just back drinking again. So, yeah, 11 was a kind of waiting for 12 for me, I think. (laughs) I was kind of, yeah, just sort of, I felt like I was helping other people, which was a huge benefit because when you stop needing so much help, you need to, just like when you needed community, I found it. Then when I didn't need as much support, I found that I could give support and that, that made me feel as in tune with my sobriety mm-hmm. and it kept me on that you know Accountable. And I, yeah you've got to be careful though because you can replace mm. alcohol addiction whether you want to call it that or not with other unhealthy addictions and you mentioned exercise but I think social media you've got to be really careful with because you can give help constantly if that's what you wanted to do you know the amount of messages that people receive in this community it grows and grows and grows and I love helping people and I would love to give my time to people. But I did get to a point around this time when I felt I'm giving up hours of my day. Now, reels take me no time at all to make. Literally, I can make them in a couple of minutes. I have an idea. I, I see something. I think that would be fun. I click the video around. I record it and I post it. Most of mine are done within five minutes. It's mm. The replying to messages was starting to eat away at my time with my family or my personal time. And I thought, I've got to find a balance with this. These boundaries have to come into place. And I think it's something we're going to talk about on a future episode, because yeah. it's, that's a really important thing to realize that because you've got the security of a community whether it's aa whether it's sober instagram whether it's Mm -hmm. a a group that you've joined you've got to be careful that you don't become so reliant on it that you're scared of the real world right you've got to keep growing you've managed to step away from something that is toxic and all-consuming but you don't want to jump into something else that you feel scared of walking away from you know, I made a few friendships on there that turned really bad really quickly and it made me question my judgment and I've never done that before and mm-hmm. I suddenly realized I don't actually know any of these people. Mm-hmm. And I almost deleted my account a couple of times, but I thought, well, I'm not going to do that because yeah. I like helping other people. I'm not going to do that just because of a few negative experiences in a whole year. Right. But but still it was a, I'm going to step a bit back from this and you know, I still, I'm on Instagram every day, and I post a couple of times a day, but that's my therapy as well. It takes a lot of energy to stay sober, and then you got to protect yeah. that, you know? You do, and I just don't, I'm not a professional either, so, right. you know, I need to just be careful. While I would like to help everyone, I can't, mm-hmm. it, it's just, I have a full-time job and a family mm-hmm. and, and friends and, and life going on, so that that's an important, but boundaries is something that I think people who drink a lot are, are very hazy about boundaries they struggle with them it's something that you learn when you get sober that how yeah. important they are because once you feel more confident you feel like you can put those in place right month 12
1: the big one year the big one year didn't feel that big <laughs> did it not it was, was it a bit of an anti for you it very much was but I think also I had to sit and, and reflect because What a big year it was, honestly. Yeah. You know, I talk about how I accomplished more in that year than I've ever accomplished in my whole life. And when you look at it that way, it's mind blowing. And I'm not talking like, oh, just in like all areas of my life. I did so much work in one year that if alcohol was still present, I'd still be working on just one area, you know, like alcohol really slows down the process of learning and challenging yourself because it's constantly there to give you permission to check out. Yeah. And there's also something about maybe knowing you lost a lot of time that makes you like hit the ground running that first year. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, No, I think.
1: And it's also exciting, you
0: get excited about life again, you get that childlike curiosity back, and you get time for yourself, which is quite addictive, when you realise, I haven't been doing this ever, I haven't given myself enough credit, I haven't loved myself enough, I haven't looked after myself enough. And when you start doing that, you realise how good it makes you feel. And it's, you know, you think this is fantastic, what do I want next? What do I want to achieve? What do I want to... Get out of life, where do I want to go? And it's it's wonderful, but it's tiring, all of this stuff. And our bodies are also physically have gone through a huge change. But I think at one year, the main thing is that people don't worry about you anymore. You don't have this sort of, you don't have this label as a big drinker anymore. That's gone. There's other people that have stepped in, sadly, and taken its place. The focus is on them. Mm-hmm. You know, you are no longer that person who's associated with alcohol, Even if you're not associated with sobriety, even if that's not what you're known for because you don't want to talk about it, you're not known as a drinker. Um, And all of those tags that come along and those labels have gone. People rely on you. They don't worry about you when you go out for a drink and they know you're going to come back four hours later. People feel more comfortable with you. The people who love you are so much happier because you're reliable and you're safe. And, mm-hmm. and that's huge, you know, because those people are the people we care most about. And if we were making them worried, that's a horrible thing to be
1: responsible mm-hmm. for. I think when you start your journey, if you look forward, you think one year, you're going to, it's just going to be like this huge Never going to happen. <laughs> well, or maybe never going to happen. But, yeah. or, or you think like, I think what I'm saying is I thought I was going to feel different. Like I thought some, there was going to be a big feeling around one year. But I think what happened is because it was a slow evolvement. Yeah. What I felt at one year is exactly what I needed to feel at one year, but because it didn't just like, I woke up that morning and felt yeah. everything because everything like piled on like the confidence and all of this, like progressed up into the yeah. year. That's why you it got kind got
0: three hundred and sixty five segments of the year celebration. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, so it was, I think it,
1: you're right, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay. And then you're like, now what? You've gone through every season, every day of a year, experienced pretty much yeah. everything. I mean, you just yeah, you're like, Now what? Now what? What's year two going to look like? Like, what am I... That's
0: the exciting... That, to me, is the most exciting question ever to have in your head. Now what? Because anything is the answer. Possibilities are endless. Anything is possible. Instead of going, here we go again, get through it, let's do it, let's get through it, here we go again you're thinking, now what? What do I want to do? Because there are options, there are possibilities, there are openings, there are paths not taken, there are things I can do that I couldn't do before because of my health, because of finances. Everything opens up. And and now what is such an exciting phrase when you are sober because you actually can think about it and then go out and do it rather than sit there going, I wish I had this. I wish I could do this. You're thinking, mm-hmm. what shall I do? Not what
1: could I do? Right. And because you've already done it, that monkey's off your back, right? Like you've already experienced so much of these first. So now the second time you've got that layer gone, that yeah. layer of like, can I do this? So then yeah. you go into that event or or whatever it may be, even more confident. Like I'm getting ready to go on that same trip that I went on. Yeah. You know, at at five months, I'm getting ready to go on that same exact trip, and yeah. I'm even more excited because mm-hmm. last year yeah. I was more nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Now this year, I know what to expect, and so yeah. it's like, whoo! I can't wait. I'm so excited. So I think that's what's the best thing about year two. So here's to year two, Kate. I'm excited, and what I'm excited about is obviously year two. We're doing this podcast together. Yeah, and year
0: two involves you. Yes. <laughs>
1: And, I'm, and now that I we're all caught is, up,
0: I know yeah. we'll have to do this again at the end of the second year and see hmm. see what's changed. But it's honestly, I I am so excited and I feel like I've I've really found my footing. I know who I am. I still have work to do on my interests and my exercise and my boundaries. But do you know what? I'm I'm so happy. I can't remember a time that I was happier with who I am. Right. And, you know, to say that in your 40s is incredible because you start to think, oh, well, you're kind of established by then. Things can't get better. You can't really look 10 years younger or feel like life is just beginning when you're in your 40s. But you can. And that is just incredible.
1: Yeah, I remind myself all the time. I'm, I'm headed into the second half of my life, if you think of it that way. And yeah. it's going to be the best half. Like the first half was good. But this half is going to be amazing. And trying to implement all these new things, I have to remind myself, I have the second half of my life to learn all these new skills, and there's no rush. And to just honestly be present and enjoy every moment, whether it's a fail, or whether it's a huge accomplishment, they both there's so much to learn from both and that's kind of where my mind is now in comparison to where it was when I was a drinker and that's just for me that's just huge I couldn't have said that better myself I completely
0: agree and I'm so excited that we're going to do lots of stuff together cheers Steph bye
1: Kate
0: Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional
1: help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you.
0: The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.